Welcome back to The Fuse Show, everybody. I'm joined today by my guest, Omar Hagres. Omar is an experienced launch and expansion manager with a proven track record of success. He's the CEO and co-founder of Trella, which is a Cairo-based trucking marketplace that connects shippers to carriers. Trella offers services and technology to empower drivers, improve their efficiency, boost their earnings and utilization, as well as create job opportunities. Welcome to the show, Omar. Pleasure. Thanks for hosting me, Jim. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Let's jump right into it. So tell us a little bit more about Trella, what it is, and, and the audience that you guys serve. Okay, so, so I mean, as, as you said, Trella is a trucking marketplace. To avoid jargon, people can think of us as the Uber for trucks, but instead of uh, going to the end consumer and retail, we work businesses, business to business. So, a lot of the trucking uh, industry in general is is something that is uh, very familiar. So the way you go, and that's not only in Egypt and, and, and Pakistan and Saudi. I'll tell you more about where we operate and all of that. But um, it's it's sort of a union. So you have a family, his grandfather, his father, and himself. They've all been doing trucking for the longest period of time, and that's the same. That's the same story you find everywhere. Uh, and they're sort of like small companies and small businesses that own maybe two to two to five trucks. And that's also the same story where you find it in a lot of countries, not necessarily all countries. Some countries have big, 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 a lot of those big players out there. But mm-hmm. in most of countries, and particularly in emerging markets, you find the small businesses. So we operate businesses to businesses. Uh, we focus on large customer segments. So you have Coca-Cola, Maersk and all these big names. Uh, we, we move for them. Um, recently, we just uh, finalized, uh, we just announced uh, our Series A led by Maersk Growth Venture. For those who don't know what Maersk is, Maersk is the largest shipping line in the in the world. I think at some point they were moving 30 or 40 percent of the world GDP on, on, the, on, 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 their, sh- on the ships. So I think everybody's seen those shipping containers with the logo Maersk. You know, it's like definitely very well known in my mind. Yeah. And actually, the uh, good thing is that you only see Merz, but they have like three or four other companies. So they acquired like Seago and Sealand and all these, and all of these are Merz subsidiaries. So they're, they're, they're quite big, and we're hoping, and a big part of this investment and this partnership coming up from Merz is how we can tag along and offer them a very high-end service on in land freight. So so they they say we are the king of ocean freight and now we have Trella who can who can we can partner up with and and, and offer also land freight and ocean freight. So it's a win-win situation for both of us. We've been very uh, deep into speaking with their with their country managers, with their product teams and development teams and see how we can integrate. So we're excited about that. That's fantastic. That's great. Right, so tell me a little bit more. And I want to talk about this a little bit, but later, but let's do it now. Your, your background is at Uber. So you said that Trello is kind of like the Uber in the trucking industry. Tell me a little bit more about how that works and, and kind of get into, if you would, about uh, how Trello helps create job opportunities for people in these, these local areas. Sure. So, so I think the best way to think, maybe I, I usually, I, I refer to Trello as Uber for trucks. Reality is we're not very close to Uber. It's just easier for people to understand. Conceptualize, yeah. yeah. Like platform, just click on a few buttons and you have yeah. a truck right right at your doorsteps. That is the reality. But the best way to think through this is actually think of us as Amazon for loads. Sure. So if you think of, of, of e-commerce, you'll see that you have 
a lot of the vendors that give enough supply to Amazon. Mm -hmm. In this case, our vendors are Coca-Cola, Maersk, Nestle, P&G, all these big names. And then think of the buyer, the consumer, as the truck driver. And in Trellis' case, he goes on our marketplace, he books the loads, and he takes them. Sometimes he bids, so he gives better prices. Sometimes they take it, and we have an arbitrage between what we've gotten from 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 the shippers, in this case Coca-Cola, Maersk, and what and how we sell it to them. So uh, that's a, that's a good way to think of. Obviously, there's a lot of operations behind the scenes and a lot of 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 manual stuff that needs to be do to be done because sure. this industry has been plagued by a lot of. I mean, the only thing that hasn't changed in the past two hundred two hundred years is. Is, is probably the the, 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 the the trucking industry. They Instead of using trucks, they think they were using camels. That's the only thing that changed. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, it's the same story. Well, it's about time then that someone like you came around and disrupted that. Well, we're, we're hoping we're hoping so. Yeah. So Okay, so it sounds like, and I think I read on, it was either on your website or an article, that you're also helping truckers optimize their loads. In other words, instead of running empty from one location to another to pick up a load, you're trying to, to put product in their truck, which obviously would increase their revenue as well. So, I mean, how does that, how does that work? So actually the biggest pain point you'd see with truck drivers is not necessarily uh, demand generation. I, I, if a lot of them actually have good contracts or good relationships with, 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 with shippers out there. Their biggest pain point is that they can have a long haul all the way to southern Egypt, for example. So like a three or four days drive. Wow. And then they end up not having the demand they're looking for in there. So they actually charge their shippers sort of a double leg. If in, in, in our case, we tell them, listen, guys, we actually, because of the marketplace concept and because of the network effects, we do have shippers in northern Egypt. We do have shippers in southern Egypt. And we bundle a lot of these loads. So so for them to gain trust, we tell them, take this load back and forth. You're going to get X, uh, X number of dollars versus this is even more than how, how they charge their existing shippers because we offer them this, this, this level of reliability. Now, are we at the stage where we can say, yes, we all our loads are backhauled, all our loads are, are optimized and efficient? We cannot say that. It's a it's a big 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 game, and for for you to do that, you need to actually reach true scale to to be able to sure. to work on, on the network on effect that. idea. Hundred percent. Yeah, but you're, it sounds like you're making good progress, and that's the beautiful thing about a network effect type business is it gets more and more attractive and more and more efficient at scale. That, cool. That's exactly how it works. That's great. So I, I've got to know: have, have you driven any of the trucks? Have you done like a day in the life where, where one of them lets you drive and kind of be on the inside to experience that? I've done, man. I've done. I actually uh, uh, the, the whole the whole the whole concept of, of of truck. At the beginning, you thought the tr truck is yeah, you just jump on a truck and it's a it's a comfortable seating and you can get the, you, you can just move move away with that but reality is it's 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 not i also am giving myself because um, we operate in four countries right now egypt saudi pakistan and and, and uae um, i haven't tried any uh, i haven't taken any loads outside of egypt and that's how i'm thinking of 
of spending some of my times while we visit uh, visit visit some of our markets, particularly Pakistan and UAE coming 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 soon. So mm. yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. I, I, I'm I'm gonna try some of some of the short hauls. I I don't think I can do long hauls uh, right now, but definitely in in in, in my plan. So how, how I'm curious how that experience so far has shaped your paradigm. I'm guessing it's given you a sense of empathy or, you know, and or compassion towards the drivers and making it better for them. But how, I mean, how has that shaped your, your, you know, decisions as the, the co-founder CEO of Trello? I, I think, I think a very interesting story actually happened to me as, um, so it was actually not last, two summers, two summers ago. So I think by then Trello was, we're trying to more or less formulate a, a product and, and, and push um, it was our, our, I think, third or fourth month of operation, and I decided to 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 to, to get into a, a, a truckload. Um, and then in Egypt, you have it's it, trucking is actually very uh, is not regulated. It's mm-hmm. it's against like if you look at fintech in Egypt, for example, the, their ma- major pain point, their biggest bottleneck is actually uh, regulations and the central bank regulations and the FRA finance regulations and all of that is quite hectic. On our side, it's the exact opposite. And I'll tell you the story. So I was in a truck. We go through a checkpoint. And then, you know, the toll stations where you need to pay sure. every, every toll station. So yeah. for truck drivers, they for, for, for passengers like us, you just, I think you pay a couple of dollars and you pass. Some of it is automated. Some of it is cash. Obviously, mm-hmm. in Egypt, nothing's automated yet. We're trying to lobby for, for more automation on the toll, on the toll station. So with this guy, we had another truck in front of us, and it's the same. It's carrying the same load, same commodity, same weight. Everything is exactly the same. So the guy went to the toll station. They told him, "Hey, man, fine. You need to pay twenty dollars." So the guy put, pays twenty dollars, and then he comes to us and he's like, uh, "The guy looks at the car. What do you guys? What are you guys carrying? This or this or that?" We say, "Okay, you guys need to pay a hundred dollars." So we're like, "Yeah, but..." We just missed that the car right in front of us that you let past is one is both of us are going on the same same shipment. And then two, they just paid $20 and you're asking us for $100. So there must be something wrong. It was a big, 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 big argument. And the guy, man, the guy flipped the, 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 the truck driver flipped because he was, he was very mad, very mad at the, at, at the, the guy responsible for, for in the toll station. And I mean, after a lot, a lot, a lot of debate back and forth, uh, okay, you guys need to pay $40. So we ended up paying, the guy was still very frustrated. And then when you reflect upon this incident, you realize that one, if you were the recipient, the first question you're going to be, you're going to ask the truck driver is, why did you pay 40 and why did he pay 20? So yeah. I'm not, I, I don't necessarily believe you and, and they might actually not pay you your money. And the second piece is because there is no system, because there is no one singular playbook for the guy at the toll station to look at and, and just charge people, it's, it's, it's a dilemma. And I think part of our existence is to lobby for uh, good regulations and, and things that can make this industry, set this industry up for success rather than some of, some of these things. Because if you think of it as well, it's not too hard to roll out a, a, a scheme, a, like a, a unanimous scheme on how to pay, to ask people to pay here and there. So yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's some of the things we're working on as well. Yeah. Okay. 
This is so fascinating. It's amazing that there would be such a difference between the fintech regulations and the lack thereof in trucking. I, I want to jump into, I, I respect to you for being willing to go out there and lead from the front. I'm sure that the, the, you know, truckers you work with respect that incredibly. And one of the things I want to talk to you today about is, is leadership. You've had several recommendations on LinkedIn that people have pointed to your your leadership skill. And one person even mentioned that you have an instinct for leadership. So I'm, I'm curious how you look at leadership and how you, how you lead Trella. So, so I, I mean, I don't want to sound uh, cliche or anything, but I think the best way to, to lead is, is, is lead, lead, lead from the front. And one of our values is, is all hands on deck. There, particularly in an industry that is extremely, uh, fragmented that is very very hectic in terms of uh, op- just operating. You, 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 one one would ask himself like, what are the barriers? We we got this question a lot. Like, what are the barriers of entry for people to come uh, operate a, a trucking marketplace in 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 Egypt, for example? Reality is the barrier the barriers to entry are. This is probably one of the most hectic industries globally, yeah. and and because it's very tough to operate, it's you don't find a lot of trucking marketplaces coming up every other day. Versus fintech, you find the fintech every other day. So 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 I believe that leading from the front, who all hands on deck, have everyone work on 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 something, is is very 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 important. And I think another piece is if you put the people first. And you want to make sure that these people believe in the mission, believe in the vision, and you as a, as, as a CEO, make sure that you're removing all the barriers, make sure that you're having them go into one direction. There is a lot of misalignment, and that's just the case with any startup in the world. I don't think you'll find any company in the world that is fully aligned on the direction, the mission, like the how, all these. is impossible to, to get alignment, but if you manage to... One, remove the, 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 the barriers, have everyone see what you're seeing, just push, push, push. And at the same time, if you feel like everyone is already walking into the direction you want, then you just get in front of them and ask them to, 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 to follow. Having this type of communication, I think, is important. You don't have to always be like, I'm going, follow me. At some points, you actually need to push your teams because some of them... Do, are, are, did not sign up for 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 the direction that you that you're putting. It's just rea- a reality. Not uh, having full alignment across organizations is not something easy. I wouldn't say easy. I would say it's impossible. Like, there is no a single company that I've spoken to that has full alignment. But I think one thing that is important, and I think this is one of the values that Amazon have, and 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 I'm a big fan of, is just disagree and commit. And that's one thing I think we're, we're getting a lot better at. A lot of our teams are not necessarily, because again, some people might have the same vision, but how to get there is, is, is different. Right. Okay. Manage to make sure that, so the vision, just to get this clear, the vision is always the same. You're never going to have people misaligned on the vision. You want to bring the costs down. You want to empower economies. You want to, all these are, everyone is signed up for that. How to get there is the one that you always find a lot of misalignment and, and, and making sure that, okay, guys, we're going to disagree and commit. We're going to try this. It works great. It doesn't work. It's an MVP. We can test something else and, yeah. and just have this constant mode of iteration, I think, is, has been helpful for us. It's, uh, 
uh, again, the, the, it being a very tough industry makes alignment even harder, but we're getting good at that. You know, one of my fears as a leader is being disconnected from the the newer team members as we grow. So, for example, we're, we're at roughly, I think we're at 42 people now in our org. And the first round of employees are now leaders. And I have a very close relationship with them. They understand the the, the vision, the mission. We're, we're very close and you know, re- have regularly spoken with them. And we're like a, oh, a little more than a year old. Uh, and now, though, we have employees that I've not spoken to. And honestly, like, maybe I should. I, I know there's this uncertainty among CEOs of like when, at what point do I sort of let go versus having that interaction with every, every employee. But I think my fear is how do we scale and keep it, keep everybody aligned on that vision to your point. So how have you handled that in terms of, are you just empowering your, your first level of management to then sort of spread that vision? Are you doing that directly or how does that look? Uh, That's a, that's a great question. So I think the the number one uh, responsibility for uh, for a CEO is to make sure that the first line are people who are smarter than him, who put more, who like, who, who can basically lead this company if he's not there for any reason, any day. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's one thing we've done very well, and we've. Literally handpicked um, um, our starting with our co-founders up until the people who are still joining us on 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 that level t- today. So we take our times in that, even if it means that uh, myself or Ali or Pierre, those are my co-founders, will need to put on two hats at the same time. It is what it is. This is what we signed up for, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, how to, so that's one thing. If you manage to get those people, they, uh, they, they fit into the culture. They, they, they believe in the mission and the vision. And you have already set processes and SOPs and playbooks into how to manage the company, whether in terms of communication or in terms of operations. You all, everything you can expect is just see this cascading down automatically. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we do very well. And then obviously having objectives and key results. So OKRs is a concept that I think everyone is working with. Uh, and, and having this trickle down to the ground reps mm-hmm. is also very important. How to do that is it starts by this level. They do they push it down to this level with different different results, key results. They do it to the third level with different key results, and then they do it to the ground reps with different key results. Every level has its own metrics, KPIs, and and and, and key results. So getting this type of alignment and making people navigate towards that is 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 an important piece. I think the last piece is if people, if your team as well looks at you. Obviously, I have skip level one on ones. Uh, we have open office hours. These things are super, 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 super important to navigate the company because sometimes you can you can you can stay for months in silos, thinking that you're in the right direction, and then all of a sudden, boom, no one's happy. People are leaving. Uh, the direction is not uh, is not fulfilling enough for, for, for people. So thankfully we've never reached that, that level. And in fact, our employee retention is quite high. We're very proud of the culture that we've built, but then culture is not, how do you say it? It's not the sushi dinners and, and, and ping pong tables and, and, and offsides. This is important. I I would say that's maybe 5% of what culture is, but 
the 95% is, does everyone in this company actually believe in the mission? Does everyone in this company believe in the direction and the vision? Because if they don't believe in... Direction is debatable. Vision is the one that's not debatable. Mm-hmm. Does everyone believe in, in, in the mission and the vision? If everyone believes in the mission and the vision, this is the culture you want to do. No matter, regardless what is the mission, what is the vision? Everyone has his own yeah. mission. Every start has a different mission and vision. But I think if you have everyone believing in that, and this starts by recruitment and onboarding, you actually can be in the right direction and you're building something substantially big. That's great. I, I want to make this a little bit more personal towards you and uh, upskilling yourself to, to become a CEO and to grow in that role. You mentioned on, on LinkedIn or there was a, a recommendation that you gave Dr. Brendan McCann, who sounds like maybe was a, a guide or coach for you. So tell me more about that. I, and what the gist of what I'm getting at is, you know, to lead an org of 40 is very different than 100 or 1000, et cetera. Uh, and I'm wondering what, how you think of upskilling yourself. So, so, so first things first, I'm a work in progress. I don't think I'm at the level where I'm satisfied. I don't think I'll ever be at the level where I'm satisfied. I Hopefully not, you know. Yeah, you don't want to get there. And I think I always am learning something new. And leading an organization as big as Trella now, and, and maybe just two and a half years ago, uh, I, was, I was managing a team of five or six it's 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 different. Of course, the basics and the fundamentals are the same with five people, ten people, or or a hundred. But there are some stuff that's substantially different when you start leading 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 uh, larger organizations. I do seek executive coaching, and I think everyone should. I also I am never ashamed to literally go on LinkedIn, find the CEO of Convoy, for example, who do what we do on in the US and are, are considered market leader and just drop them a note and be like, hey guys, I'm Omar. We do the similar thing in Egypt. I want to learn from you guys. So some of them respond, some of them don't, but I always, I constantly uh, speak to people from who, who operate in the same industry. I will constantly speak to people who are smarter than me. And then I think a good a good thing to do is have this group of people where you meet with maybe once a month mm-hmm. and it's Pretty much you asking questions. How do you do this? What do you guys think of that? How do you guys do that? And you, you probably won't see it here, but I also try to read a lot, uh, like like a lot. I think I think reading is 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 very eye opening to me. Uh, I cannot claim that I was always a good reader, but I try to read, and I don't necessarily. By the way, I don't necessarily read only business books. Mm. I find actually the best business books are sports books. So books that uh, speaks more about endurance, books that speaks more about peak performance, books that speaks more about uh, team leadership. Uh, I think um, maybe some people might disagree, but for me, those books actually are quite helpful for for me to manage manage myself because that's the number one task for a CEO probably is to manage yourself and then and then manage people. So at what point did you take on executive coaching and how did you discern the need for that and that the timing was right for you to start getting some coaching? So I'll tell you a funny story. I actually did not know what executive coaching was okay. in, 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 in my first, first year of, of, of Trella. And then 
we've 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 had our seed round. It was a six or seven million dollar round. And then the the investor who led this round gave me a call and he's like, Hey Omar, I think you should meet this guy. He's been my personal coach for a while. Um, he's also the, the executive coach for a lot of big companies out there. So why don't you speak to him? I was like, of course, I'm happy to speak to him, but can you tell me more about what this person or uh, what, what, what this role does? And then they started explaining to me. It wasn't necessary to convince them. Then I met, I met Brendan in Dubai. Um, and it was very eye-opening to me. It's, I think, I think, I think executive coaches, it's not necessarily, some of them are actually very strong on the business side of things, but I think what's, what's more important is how they help you manage stress, mm. how they help you uh, understand the magnitude of what you're doing and, 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 and understand how to manage people, how to manage yourself, how to manage your time, how to manage stress. As I mentioned, this is very important because by the, the first time I met Brendan, I was quite stressed. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't easy. And then obviously you have uh, those psychometric tests and I think that's important as well. But then how to roll out those psychometric tests to your leadership team because Ooh. this will help you understand them and this will help them understand you. I was quite open uh, to share with them my results. Uh, like literally I, I received the email I forwarded to my team. I was like, hey guys, this is an unfiltered report. I'm not sure if this <laughs> Here's is what you're with. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to give you some insights on how to deal with me. Yeah. Uh, now we're rolling this out actually to, to the rest of my team, my, to, to, to the leadership team, because I, I do believe that's a very good way to progress and that's a very healthy way for you to, uh, to build a business, knowing how to deal with your people and, and your team is, is, is super important. So I think executive coaching gives you that. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever stop executive coaching. And, and one one last thing on executive coaching, I think um, I still speak to my. So I'm, I I used to do water polo, and uh, my water polo coach is someone I seek advice from him a lot. Oh, that's uh, great. Even even if it's a, a, a small advice, but it's good to hear his voice every now and then. And, mm. Just tell him I'm around and he's telling me you're around and he gives me some hard time for not showing up on the pool. But yeah. Yeah, that really speaks to, you know, getting advice from different people in different industries, from different backgrounds that can help you on, you know, different sides of or aspects of yourself. You know, I think that's really important and, and useful. I I want to I want to hit on the stress component a little bit. I, that's something I've struggled with as well. And specifically the, the weight that I feel on my shoulders, our, our mission is to create 10,000 jobs within 10 years in, in developing nations. And I'm very serious about that, but there's a weight of responsibility there. And, and to give you an example, we have our, our largest client that we work with, um, you know, we have a lot of responsibility on our plate and I feel a, a huge sense of pressure to make sure that we're successful because I recognize that if we're not, it means that we would have to lay off some team and I'm just not okay with that result, but it puts a lot of stress on me. So how do you manage that? Like the, like there are so many things outside of your control with Trella that if things don't go wrong, there's this, most founders have this sense of pressure. How do you navigate that feeling sort of responsible for the, the, success or even livelihood of your team? 
So I think I think the problem with first-time founders is that all of a sudden you have the way I look at this is 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 you have a baby and you're very very much attached to this baby and he's just a very hard baby to to raise so he doesn't listen to you he doesn't look at you he's always upset he's never happy and all of this just you know it's a first of all you don't have any brain calories to do anything other than work and the second piece is when you're done you just want to crash on the couch because your day's over because in four or five more hours you have to wake up and get again at it and boom 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 when i signed up for trella when i said said okay I'm, i want to be an entrepreneur and i want to build this and i want to change the world and all of that i honestly did not know it would have, i i knew it would have been very hectic but if 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 you asked me would it be as tough as it is right now absolutely not so i mean now it's actually the good a good a good time if you asked me last year absolutely not mm. it wasn't it wasn't even closest to how i thought it it was and for me because of why oh marley what was what was the heaviest stress for you last year what made it that way so first first things first i think i think we grew we grew too fast people would would see this as a good thing i i think we should continue growing but i think you should have uh, some fundamentals on the product side that you need to make sure that it's helping you to scale So uh, it's a legacy problem a lot of people scale very fast and then they realize that the product cannot sustain the scale so it's a good problem to have as well yeah. it's not a but it it gets a bit stressful and get a bit a, a bit out of control so i think more importantly than that even if your business is not i mean is not hard to navigate and things are just going smoothly and all of that the 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 responsibility mm-hmm. is just big Mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're you have a team of 15 20 30 40 people and and these people are dependent on on this product being successful so yeah. uh if uh, yeah if you're a responsible person you you you're going to feel the stress whether you like it or not i think stress is inevitable i think ev- even if we 10 10 years down down the line from now if there's another startup that i i i i launched it will still be stressful and managing the stress is the is the is the most important one i have a routine uh, it's uh, it's helping me a lot uh, i i work out every single day and i think this one just it gives me uh, uh, some sense of sanity and okay. and make sure that um this is sort of my daily daily medicine uh, and I, i i highly encourage people and actually a lot of our team we we push them to to train and work out and and do this or this or that and we also incentivize them with with internal perks to 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 make this happen mm. um i try to you know it's important for you just to have one or two hours that you're not thinking of work yeah and it's important for you to get six to eight hours of sleep uh, i mean in the beginning i used to get four hours of sleep but i, I used to function And I was very proud. I'm, I was one of those people who go out there and be like, "Hey, man, I sleep four hours and I operate and I'm absolutely fine." Reality is, you're not as productive as you are when you sleep for seven hours. The best, the optimal. I still don't sleep for seven hours. I'm not I'm, I sleep six to seven hours, but I think the, the from seven to nine hours is very good for you to to mm-hmm. to, be, to be efficient. I try to get six to seven hours, uh, and it's 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 working out well. And then I think having a cadence 
and having a sort of a routine within your professional work. So blocking times for people not to schedule stuff so that you can have some time to work on projects, work on particular things or track, track stuff and go through your emails and then manage people is also very important. So if you manage to get some workout uh, in, in, in your day, uh, manage, manage to block some time to work on, 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 on big projects and manage to get some time to go through your emails and manage to put time to manage the business. Yeah. I think you'll get there. Do, do you disconnect yourself from the results? In other words, or you think to yourself, like, I'm doing my very best each day. Are you able to find a sense of contentment regardless of the outcome of that? And even on a grand scale of, you know, worst case scenario, things didn't work out, but you knew you did your very best. Could you find peace and contentment with that versus being connected to the actual results? So, so I think about this a lot. I think about this a lot. I think, so the good, the good, there's good news and bad news. The good news is if, for any reason, this this is this doesn't go our way, and it's it's not necessarily a success. I will feel very bad, but I'll get back again. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, what maybe heartbreaking at some point, but a few weeks I'll manage to put myself up again. I've been through stuff in my life that are quite uh, tough, so the good news is I know I'll I'll, I'll manage this. Uh, the, the the bad news is I think I always feel that I'm not giving it enough. So that you have this thing inside of you every day that be like, ah, you can put you can you can put an extra hour of work here, or you can um, maybe just not go out today. I mean, we don't go out. <laughs> We don't go out much anyways, but like you, you can start thinking of maybe just spend spend another hour here or maybe you're working and you're not efficient. Your productivity levels are very low. So this mm-hmm. is very, this is a very bad day for you because you didn't accomplish the things you want to do. I think what I need to do is actually start finding peace with the present as well. Mm-hmm. So as long as and you shouldn't look at it on a day by day or a week or, or a weekly basis, I think you should look at the outcomes on, on maybe a quarterly mm-hmm. on, on a quarterly basis, what are the outcomes that you and your team achieve in, in this quarter? Mm-hmm. What are uh, the outcomes that you you've achieved versus last year? And one thing I think I'm doing, I'm starting to get better at, is always reflect where we were a year ago and where we are right now. And this always gives you comfort because if you look back there and be like, "We've done all of that," and you're still not happy. Maybe go buy yourself a beer or something, and you'd be happy. So, like, <laughs> yeah, these are these are these are more or less how how I'm thinking through it. Yeah, I, I I thought about this a lot as well, and I think I think about like I set an arbitrary amount of things to do for myself in a day, and I'm I'm not I'm not there yet with this, but I'm trying really hard to just find peace and contentment at the end of my day, knowing I did my best in the situation with what came up, and I also mean like the. The, the like emotional mental health like for example if i have a disagreement with my wife you know last night it's like i, I my performance the next day is not going to be as good and like i'm trying to let myself off the mat be like you know what in spite of that i'm doing my best or i had a crappy night of sleep in spite of that i'm doing my best and trying to find that sense of peace and contentment knowing that yes maybe i didn't achieve the results i was hoping for on monday but i feel like i did my best so I can just leave that and, and have peace about it, you know. A hundred percent, and I think I think I think that's 
that's important because if you keep uh, being very hard on yourself, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You always feel like you're not delivering, you're not productive, you're, 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 and then you're just going to push yourself down, 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 down until you reach a point where you're actually depressed. Founder depression is something real and no, no one can deny that. I think a lot of people go through it and not necessarily only depression, but also the stress part of the things is also sometimes get out of control. So always giving yourself an opportunity to see light at the end of the tunnel or to see light wherever in whatever you're doing mm -hmm. is, 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 is an important one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is it, is it smarter in your mind for a founder to double down on their strengths or for them to focus on their weaknesses? I should say on improving their weaknesses. No, I think, I think, so, I mean, there are two ways to look at this. You, you, you're uh, the way I look at this with, 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 with my leadership team is if there is someone who's very strong at a particular skill set, the first thing I go and tell them is make sure you teach your team how you do that. Make sure that this is very clear and, and have it part of your personal development plans and, and for your teams on how to be a good stakeholder management or how to look at numbers or how to write code or stuff like that. So that's one thing. The one thing about improving is constant feedback. And, and, and this, is, this is a cultural thing, by the way. So you just have some countries that are just so nice that when you give them feedback, they think you're rude. And, 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 and I, I think, and I think it's a balance. I think it's a balance and, uh, how to reach uh, a place where you can give feedback to your team constantly without wearing them down. Cause at some point as well, I used to give feedback a lot. And I, I forget about the good things that they, they do. So in their views is almost so harsh. He, he just keeps pushing us down and, and, and that's a very valid feedback. I, 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 I need, you need to give feedback, constructive feedback, and you need to also tell them what, 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 what good are they doing and how they can continue doing that because it's very important for the business. So I think tackling Tackling the feedback piece is important. If, if as a company, it's also, again, it's one of, it's in our DNA to give feedback. Uh, anyone, anyone can give feedback to anyone. In Egypt is not necessarily culturally uh, very welcome. Egypt is one of those countries in the middle. So you have uh, some cultures on the right side where like they're very direct with the, with the feedback and they actually appreciate and respect you if you give them feedback. And then you have, other countries right on the left side who for them is what the fuck did you just say and 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 you have like some countries in the middle i think egypt is in the middle uh, so and and we're trying to be a little bit on the right side like you're trying to be very honest and direct with your feedback um, and and i think it's i think it's helpful i think it's 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 very important to to give feedback because it always corrects your team it always uh, helps them understand what is what 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 good is happening here and how they can improve on. Yeah, you know one one of the struggles that we've had because most of our team is outside of the U.S. and there are certain cultures that really struggle giving feedback to anybody they perceive as being above them and sort of the the leadership chain. How have you overcome that? Or has that been a challenge? What I specifically mean is like, and it's very much a part of our culture to say like, 
not only are you encouraged to give me feedback, to give my co-founder feedback, we expect you to. But that's a real challenge for a lot of people where they're, they're willing and able to give feedback to peers or people they perceive as lower than them on the leadership scale. But anybody that's above, they really have a hard time with that. Is that have you experienced that specifically? Yeah, but then you have to give them the forum to give you feedback. Mm. And, and, and the best way to do that is we're having our one-on-one here. And as simple as in your one-on-one document, leave a, a tab for feedback. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easier for them to type it than to say it. That's that's one. Okay. The second thing, if you feel that they don't, they didn't put it, give them a room to give you feedback. Give them uh, an opportunity. And and the best way to give them an opportunity is to actually criticize yourself. Be like, how do you guys think of the prioritization feature that we decided, uh, the, the prioritization metric that we decided on this feature last week? I reflecting a little bit on that. I think uh, I think I made the wrong decision, but. What, what's your feedback on that? You need to give them some uh-huh. some, okay. some leeway to to do that because if you don't do that, particularly in a culture like 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 Egypt, I think it's going to be very hard to do that. And every single all hands publicly ask for uh, feedback. Be brutal with anyone from the leadership team who's not accepting feedback. Um, I think like be very. These are these things are not acceptable, mm-hmm. and 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 it needs to be high flagged right away, and 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 you need to have a process for people to give feedback, and I think I think we're good at that. People are giving feedback day and night now, so so it That's seems great. like it's working. I think it's so important to instill that in the the culture early on, so it can continue as you scale. You know, it's critical. Omar, I know you're a busy guy. I know at the end of the day, well, at least for most people in, in Cairo. So I I really appreciate your time. You've been so gracious. Uh, we will, on the landing page, we'll have the, the link to your website, which is Trella.app. And then also we'll, we'll post your LinkedIn. Uh, is that the best way? If someone wants to, to shout out and just say hello, is LinkedIn the best way to, to, to do that? Or is another way better? LinkedIn would be fantastic. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for your time. I I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a a nice evening. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And thanks so much for this. Cheers. Really enjoyed it. Cheers.